Very good. Super. Oh, let me shut that down. That's going to be bad. Okay. Welcome. I think we are all up and running. Um, if there is a problem, I'm sure someone will message me or call me or do something to notify me. Otherwise, um, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, good evening. Uh, Sunday, the 10th of January. It is. This is live at five. And uh, my name is Richard. I'm one of the leaders at Kingfisher Church. Um, what we're aiming to do with these Sunday evenings is just to give us a, a kind of fairly jump right into the Bible type experience. 30 minutes, a Bible blast, I'm calling it. Um, a chance for us to sit under God's word together as Kingfisher Church. Uh, we, we might be accessing this live. And we might join it a little bit later in the evening or at some other point in the week. But the chance is just to give us lots of God's word to be feeding on, uh, to be listening to, so that we might grow together into Christ. Um, do we look in this evening at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 12 through to 24, verse 2. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray. But before we get there, let me um, let me just share with you a... Um, quotation here we go this guy is chris hadfield he was an astronaut uh, and uh, he, he said this um, which has stimulated a lot of kind of motivational quotes that you can find he said decide in your heart of hearts what really excites and challenges you and start moving your life in that direction what do you think good advice no maybe maybe um guess it's asking us to look into our hearts think what what is it that excites us no, no for you what is it that excites you what is it that kind of kind of turns the temperature up for you uh, it could be something very positive like bread um, or, or it could be something that kind of excites you in a kind of more kind of negative way maybe gets you irritated maybe politics is something really gets kind of under your skin and stirs you up could be something else though isn't it what is it for you what is it that presses your buttons uh, maybe for better maybe for worse but what is it for you uh, some of us are i guess kind of boiling over with all kinds of things that excite us uh, other things are wired differently and um, but th this excitement is it's not about being giddy um it, it's about being agitated kind of stirred and Chris Hadfield says, decide in your heart of hearts. Let me get rid of that. Stop the share. Um, decide in your heart of hearts what really excites and challenges you and start moving your life in that direction. But the great problem with that is that it massively overestimates the human heart, doesn't it? No, no, what if in my heart of hearts, what excites me is something that will destroy me? And with that, we come back to our journey through Proverbs. Let me um, remind you where we are, bring you up to speed with our journey in Proverbs. What have we seen? Um, very quickly, Proverbs 1 to 9, we called it the sofa chats. Maybe it seems like a long time ago since we were there. We were in the kind of setting of a family home, preparing to getting their son ready for the challenges of life. And the message in those opening chapters is get wisdom. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is a life lived in a right relationship with God. Get wisdom. Then in chapter 10 uh, through to 22, 16, we get the crazy life. This boy is pushed out of the family home. He's in a rush of life's multifaceted challenges. 
and the message in that, that bit is to live wisdom. And then we, we get to the section where we are at the moment, chapter 22, 17, through to 24, 24. Uh, Solomon um, brings into the book, he incorporates what other wise people have said. And he brings it in in order to use it to continually impress faithful living upon those who fear the Lord. Then Proverbs 25 to 29, we get some more of Solomon's wisdom. And then at the end, the last couple of chapters, we get some guest appearances, some other people invited in to contribute to this book as as the whole picture relentlessly presses faithfulness to God in all the detail of life. Well, today we are in chapter 23. Um, verse 12 through to 24 and verse 2 let me pray for us as we hear God's word I'm going to pray then I'll read the passage our God in heaven we praise you that you are the maker of heaven and earth that you are the Lord who reigns and the Lord who speaks and we have this portion of your precious scripture for us please oh God in heaven would you speak to us on earth and would you work your word into our lives and would you do us good in the hearing of your word we ask for your help help to concentrate help to listen help to listen right help to respond in a faithful way to what we hear for jesus sake amen so our passage today proverbs chapter 23 and verse 12 begins here apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge do not withhold discipline from a child If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise. And set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction and insight as well. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who who gave you birth be joyful. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit and a wayward wife is a narrow well. Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine and go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? Do not envy the wicked. Do not desire their company, for their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. 
to what is going on here in this passage. Just for the sake of our first heading, there's our first heading, Train Your Heart. Now, this section is repeatedly concerned with what happens in your heart. See there right at the start, verse 12. First thing we see, apply your heart to instruction. Uh, This word instruction is the same as that translated discipline in verse 13. Now, what we see here is that the sayings of the wise correct Chris Hadfield. We don't start by following our heart. We start by taking our heart in hand and giving our heart to discipline. Our hearts need to be trained. Now, imagine a kind of um, a kind of stunning stallion, like rippling with muscle, galloping in the sunset, kind of like the Lloyd's Bank advert type stallion. Beautiful to observe, but pretty useless. Now, a wild horse won't take you anywhere. It's got to be trained. And our hearts are like that. They need to be trained. And why? Well, f- follow it through. See verse 13 and 14. The following verses impress the urgency of this training. And here we see that, that what this training achieves is that heart training saves from death. The untrained heart is on a course to destruction. That's basic biblical anthropology. And we all inherit the corruption of sin from our first parents. In the New Testament, in, in Romans chapter one, it describes the great need for a gospel of grace by explaining how we are all justly under the righteous condemnation of God. And Romans one speaks about us all when it says their foolish hearts were darkened. And if nothing happens to those foolish hearts, they will drag us to destruction like a ton weight around our necks. See see in our passage, do you see how verse 12 expands on the need for training? Apply your heart to instruction and apply your ears to words of knowledge. Hearts get trained by listening to knowledge. So, are you ready to do a bit of heart training this evening? You see, that's what we're here for, isn't it? That's why we listen to Bible teaching. Uh, we, we don't listen to be entertained. There are plenty more entertaining things on Netflix. Uh, we, the, the Bible, we come to listen to Bible teaching because the Bible is full of knowledge, stuff that we need to know. We want to apply our ears because as we listen, our hearts will be trained. So let's listen. Let's listen to what these verses say. What, what's going on in this passage that we're looking at? The passage includes a, a, a great appeal. There's this great appeal from loving parents toward their son, urging him to be wise. Uh, An example is verse 15. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. Parents invested in the happiness of their son. Great appeal. And also our passage includes great warnings about what will happen if we don't let our hearts be trained. Great appeal and great warnings. But I think um, something of the centre to our passage comes in verse 17. Look at verse 17. Again, a verse that speaks about your heart. And notice again, it's not saying follow your heart. It's saying you must direct your heart. But let's look very carefully at verse 17. There's a bit of a kind of nub in our passage. What does it say? It says, do not let your heart envy sinners. Let's just zoom in on the word envy a little bit. Let's just hold that word envy. Because the the second half of the verse, what, what the second half of the verse literally says is this. It says, but blank, the fear of the Lord always. 
And what you need to do here is you need to fill the blank in from the first half of the verse. So we can do that and say, but fill it in from above. Let your heart envy the fear of the Lord always. Now, if you've got the NIV in front of you, you'll see the NIV recognizes that this one word that needs to be used in both halves of the verse has to be translated differently. It has a wide sense of meaning. So the first half of the verse, the NIV translates it as envy, the second half as zealous. But what this word highlighted in red is getting at is about when we become heated about something, when we get excited in a way that leans towards, excited in a way that leans towards. See, what, what, the, the thing is that when we take our hearts in hand and seek to train them, in, in this section that we have, that the kind of training that is dealt with is training your heart to be excited about the right kind of thing. Uh, ha having hearts that are agitated and stirred up and excited, energetic hearts, that's fine. But it's what excites the heart that has to be trained. Are you with me on this? I can't see you, so I don't really know if you are. Um, so, uh, Chris Hadfield, I probably need to apologise to dear old Chris Hadfield. Decide in your heart of hearts what really excites and challenges you and start moving your life in that direction. Um, I've probably taken him horribly out of context, but just imagine if, if the prophet Jonah took that advice as he sat on the hill waiting for the destruction of Nineveh. Now, the prophet Jonah... As, as he sat on that hill, what was it that excited him? In his heart of hearts, he wanted to see Nineveh burn. And the Lord comes to him and the Lord doesn't say to him, Jonah, just follow your heart. He says, no, Jonah, are you right to be angry? Examine your heart. Don't just assume your passions are right. Our hearts are always going to need adjusting. They're always going to need training. And verse 17 is showing that our hearts can be excited about sin, envious of sinners, or our hearts can be excited about the Lord, zealous for the fear of the Lord. And we want to train our hearts away from one and towards the other. So how do we do that? Well, well let's think about it. Let's think about those two parts. Now, how do we train our hearts not to be excited by sin? It's the first thing to think about. Verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners. This envy, this intensity of mind that leans towards, towards sinners in this case. You see, there is something about sinners that attracts our hearts. There is something about sin that excites us. So what should we do? We'll, we'll come down to verse 26. It, it says in verse 26, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Our passage is concerned with what happens in our hearts. But verse 26, I think, shows our hearts follow our eyes. You see that there? You see this son is urged to give his heart to his father. So it's a way of saying his heart is to be shaped by the instruction of his father. And it, it happens as, his, as the son's eyes follow, as his son's eyes delight in how his father lives, because the heart follows the eyes. So, so, so here then is one of the ways we can train our hearts not to be excited by sin. And what this father says in our passage, what he's teaching his son, he's not teaching his son to ignore sin. He's not saying to his son, turn your eyes from sin. 
Instead, he is training his son to see sin for what it is. Now, for, for us, what are we looking at when we see sin? Now, what, what is it that, that, that we're to notice that will train our hearts not to get excited by it? There, there are a number of things in this passage, actually. And let's let's quickly go through them. Number of things to see when we see sin. Our hearts follow our eyes. So let's first of all think about the destination of sin. Look at verse 20 and 21. Do not join with those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. Why not? Well, we're to see sin for what it is. We're to see the destination. For drunkards and gluttons, what's their destination? They become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Now for us, but when we see sin, we must train ourselves not to look at the immediacy, not to look in the moment, but follow it where it leads, follow it to the outcome, look to the destination. We're to see the destination. And also when we look at sin, we're to think about the danger. Now the, the second part of our passage, verse 27 to 35, is an extended warning against being excited by sin. Uh, there are two kind of aspects covered in this warning. First of all, there is sexual immorality and then there is drunkenness. Now, verses 27 and 28 address sexual immorality. It speaks there of the adulterous woman and the wayward wife. Well, these, these are ways of, of, of describing a woman who belongs to another. See, this, this young man in our passage is being warned against getting involved in any sexual activity outside of God's purpose, which is for sex to be held within marriage between one man and one woman for life. When you are alert, drawn towards sexual immorality, when your heart is excited by that kind of sin, the father's saying, let your eyes settle on the danger. See not the woman, but the deep pit. See the narrow well. See that like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. You, you, you see the dynamic here. The heart does not envy the person fallen into the pit and who can't get out. The heart does not envy a person who has been attacked by robbers and left destitute. The heart pities that person, but doesn't envy them. The heart needs to be trained to see the danger of sin. And when it comes to sexual immorality, the immediate act might attract, but the unfolding devastation repulses. Look at the pit. Look at the bandit. See the danger. See the danger of sin. When we think about sin, we're to see the danger. Thirdly, we're to see the damage. Verse 29 and moves into this theme of drunkenness. But it begins where the young man gets bombarded by a riddle. In verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? There you go, young man. Answer the riddle. Who, who is it? No, actually, more importantly, young man, would you want to put your hand up and say me? Would, would you want to be that person? Really? Of course not. Your heart doesn't get excited about any of that. You don't want to be that. Of course you don't. Fix on that because this is the person, verse 30, those who linger over wine. Train your heart to loathe sin by fixing on the damage that it brings. Now, as we begin to think about these things that we are to see when we see sin, 
we've, we need to be aware. I think we need to be aware that in the times that we live, all sin is justified by one phrase. All kinds of sin is justified by the phrase, it doesn't hurt anyone. It's okay because it doesn't hurt anyone. We come to the next thing, we're to see the fourth thing when we see sin is its deception. There, verse 31. Do not gaze over wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. That's what the untrained heart will see when it looks at sin. What the untrained heart will see only the deceit of empty promises. Now, the, the untrained heart will think, well, no one can be hurt when it sparkles so nicely. No one can be hurt. It feels so good in the moment. It goes down so smoothly. Verse 32. In the end, this is the reality. This is the deception unmasked. In the end, it bites like a snake. You have been tricked. It poisons like a viper. Unmask the deceit. When you look at sin, unmask the deceit. See the deception. And then lastly, see the distortion. Look in verses 33 and 35. Uh, these verses describe how drunkenness distorts reality. Uh, and I think we can extend this to all kinds of sin. Well, what sin does is it presents a false view of the world. It makes us see wonky. It, it, it loses truth. It gets diluted and twisted and turned. And in fact, the whole world gets turned upside down. Uh, and then in verse 35, at the end of verse 35, we find the one who has been so harmed by their drinking, they can't escape from it. The trained heart understands that sin presents a distorted picture and cannot be trusted. And, and then verse 24, uh, chapter 24, verse 1, uh, ties it all up by bringing us back to verse 17 by telling us, do not envy the wicked. Don't let your hearts get excited by sin. You see, you, your heart will follow your eyes. And so train your eyes to see sin for what it is. Train your hearts to, to, to see sin for what it is, to look for the destination, to meditate on the, on the danger, on the damage, on the, decep on the deception, on the distortion. And for you, in this week ahead, you will be faced with sin. And, and this, in, this, in this week ahead, there'll be times when your heart is excited by something that is sinful. Look out for that moment. Watch for that moment. And when it happens, deliberately make yourself see that sin for what it is. And I imagine that for all of us in this week ahead, um, as, the, as we begin to do this, there'll be this little voice that will say, really, really, come on. That's not that's 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 not what we're dealing with. This is just this is something else that's happening to me. This is just a it's just a little thing. It's. It's, it's not really what that passage is talking about. That passage is talking about the, the big things. And I know this, this is something else. We'll spot the little voice because that is part of the deception of sin. Sin never wants to be seen for what it is. And we've got to train our heart to reveal sin's true colours. Because it, when we get sin out into the cold light of day, it will fail to attract Uh, we're using verse 17 as something of a centre in our passage. Verse 17 that points out that our hearts can be excited by sin, envious of sinners, or 
our hearts can be excited about the Lord, can be zealous for the fear of the Lord. We want to train our hearts. How do we do that? Well, well the second thing to think about. How do we train our hearts not to be excited by sin was the first thing. The second thing, how do we train our hearts to be excited by the fear of the Lord? Well, we've seen already in verse 26, it shows that our hearts follow our eyes. So if we are to let our hearts be zealous for the fear of the Lord, we are to we we must learn to see the Lord for who he is. And, and, and our passage helps us with that. It points us in a couple of directions with it. First one is this. We're to see the Lord as a fear. Look how verse 18 follows verse 17. Verse, verse 17, let your heart be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Now, why do we speak about the Lord as a fear? Why do we say he's fearsome? And there are many, many reasons for that. But, but, but one of them is here. The, the relationship between verse 17 and verse 18. One of the reasons that the Lord is fearsome is because he is the one who alone has power, great power, to ensure a future for those who trust in him. Just, just think about that. In, in Jeremiah chapter 33, the, um, the, this poor prophet Jeremiah is held captive in Jerusalem as Jerusalem is under siege. He's in effect kind of held captive by the captives it's a pretty sorry state. And, and there the word of the Lord comes to him. The word of the Lord says this. I'll put it on the screen for us. The word of the Lord says, no, there will be, the, the, these people are wicked um, and the, the people are going to suffer my anger because of that. And then the Lord says, but, but I will restore this place. I will restore these people. I'm going to bring healing to them. I will cleanse them from their sin. And the people, it says at the end, the people will be in awe fear literally and they will tremble at the abundant provision and peace i provide for it now just just consider what what that is is showing to us about the dimensions the aspect the, the, the yeah the dimensions of god's greatness the, the what it takes from the lord to ensure such a future you see, for, for the Lord to ensure this kind of future, he must have this power, this unbelievably magnificent power where he can direct the ends of all things, every moment of everything, according to his purpose. It's just mind boggling to consider the power of God that can ensure a future for his people. But, but the, the second thing to think about, and this is where the Jeremiah passage is taking us, it, the Lord must have this kindness, this immense kindness that can ensure a future for a people who have fallen flat on their faces because of their sin. Now that, that, that's what Jeremiah 33 is saying. It's saying in the face of this radical grace, in the face of that the goodness of God will be experienced in such an extreme way, it will make those who receive it tremble with fear. Now our hearts will follow our eyes. And, and the more that our eyes are fixed on the contemplation of God's greatness, the greatness in his power to control all things, greatness in his grace, wonderful grace. The more our eyes are fixed on the contemplation of God's greatness, the more our hearts will be agitated toward him. 
and sin will lose its attraction under the the bright cloud of God's glory. So we are to see the Lord as a fear. And then the second thing in our passage, we're to see that the Lord is our loving father. I don't know whether you heard it when I read the passage, but just listen again to the voice of these earthly parents pleading with their son. My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Listen, my son, and be wise. Listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother when she is old. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. May your father and mother rejoice. May she who gave you birth be joyful. Now, these parents in our passage, they long for their son to be wise. That would make them so happy. They would be glad, rejoice if they had a wise son. Now, why? Because they love their boy. They love him. They, they, they know the wise life is the best life. They know it's best for their son. His future depends on it. His, his rescue from death depends on it. So they long for it because they love him. You see where the passage started, verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction or, or to discipline. Apply your heart to discipline. These parents in our passage discipline their son because they love him. They discipline because they love him. And that is something we've seen before in Proverbs. Back in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, The Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. These parents are echoing the delight that the Lord has in his people. But, but look carefully at what's happening here. Verse 15 says, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. If your heart is wise. What if God said that to you? If your heart is wise, my heart will be glad. If. Now, wouldn't that condition crush us? If your heart, if, you, if your heart is wise, is your heart wise, wise enough? Is your heart wise enough to warrant God's delight? Now, what, what kind of heart would be wise enough for that? Well, there is one. There is one to let our passage lead us to that one. Uh, the, the prophet foretold his coming. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, prophet Isaiah chapter 11 says this. It says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he came born to Mary, called the Christ, born like one of us, like one of us in every way, but not with sin. And see, there was never a moment in the life of the Christ when he gave in to the attraction of sin and he was exposed to the attractions of sin more intensely and severely than any of us will ever be exposed to the attraction of sin. And he never wavered, not one moment. He was all the wisdom of Proverbs. He lived it perfectly. And then when the Lord Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water and the heavens were torn open. And God, the father said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. 
the father of a righteous child has great joy. The heavenly father, the father of the righteous child has great joy. See, on that son, on the Lord Jesus Christ, the father poured every part of his infinite delight in his love. He is the wise son. He draws to himself by virtue of his perfection. He draws all the delight of his heavenly father. That's the wonderful son. That is the one. But what of us? Or maybe, maybe where are us? Where are we? See, we who have come to Christ Jesus for mercy have not been left to construct our own wisdom and earn the father's delight. We who have come to Christ Jesus for mercy have been put into Christ Jesus so that his father is now our father. And all that beaming delight of our heavenly father is lavished on us for Jesus's sake. You see, our hearts will follow our eyes. So how are we going to train our hearts to be excited about the fear of the Lord? We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. So what about you? What about you? Chris Hadfield was an astronaut. He said, decide in your heart of hearts what really excites and challenges you. That's a hard statement, isn't it? Isn't it hard? You know, in our heart of hearts, how often is it that what really excites and challenges us is the fear of the Lord? Now, how often is our longing for Christ greater than our longing for some petty distraction? How often in our hearts of hearts are we agitated and stirred up and unsettled by a kind of desperate excitement to see Jesus? I, I don't know about you, but I know for me that my default, my default passion, my default zeal really leans towards sinners. That's why we need Proverbs. That's why we need to train our hearts. So let, let me just wrap up. Let's close with just a couple of practical ways to do this. First one is, is this. Let's not despise discipline. So our passage begins, isn't it, with the need to give our heart to discipline and a warning of neglecting discipline. So it's what we heard this morning. Wonderfully helpful sermon this morning from Paul um, uh, and, and pointing to the fact that discipline is what produces maturity. We need discipline. And we, this is what we thought about this morning, how hard times in the hand of the Lord will do us good. But we need the discipline of it. And, and perhaps for many of us, this is a hard time. Now, let's not waste it. Let's apply our hearts to instruction. Give, give our hearts. Let your hearts be disciplined. And what that might mean for us just very simply is that each day we pray a prayer like this. Each day we pray, Father in heaven, train my heart this day. Train my heart to hate sin and love you more. That's what it might mean for us. Second thing. First thing is don't despise discipline. Second thing. Verse 17 says, do not let your heart envy sinners. It's envy. It draws towards something. So when you get to verse 20, it says, do not join with those who drink too much wine. It's pointing out there is this kind of connection between what happens in your heart and the kind of people you join with. And, and that's a negative example there. It's, it's saying envying sinners leads to you joining with these people who do not care for what's good for you. 
But the opposite is also true. And, and that's what the passage is. It goes, goes on to say in verse 22 onwards, it's saying, listen to your father, listen to your mother, listen to these people who are invested in your good. These people, they gave their life. They gave life to you. They, they delight in your well-being. So verse 26, my son, give me your heart. Let your eyes delight in my ways. Now, I've, I've said it already, and I do think that these parents give, give a kind of shadow impression of the love of God, the fatherly love of God for his people in Christ. And, and, and I guess because of that, there's, there's another way to develop it, another aspect to it. See, this, this, this love of God that gets poured upon his children which I think is what we see reflected in these earthly uh, earthly parents in Proverbs. There's this this love of God poured on his children. That same love is the love that flows between his children. That's what the letter of 1 John is all about. The letter of 1 John is all about when the love of God worked for us in Christ, when that love is complete in us, it is when we love one another. That is when we own for ourselves a delight in the good of the other. When we rejoice, when we see others grow in Christ. And so how do we train our hearts? Well, we join with people who care for our good. We we join with those who are invested in our good. Those who show us an example of how to fear the Lord, how to love the Christ, how to be children of the Most High. You see, on on the negative side, we're not to let our heart envy sinners because envy precedes imitation. On the other side, we we are to let our hearts envy, as it were, our brothers and sisters, envy godly brothers and sisters in Christ because envy precedes imitation. How about you? Time is up. Apologies for going on for a little bit too long. Um, Why don't you just take a moment to ask the Lord to apply his word to your heart. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close this off. It's over to you. What will you do with God's word? 2 Thessalonians 3 says, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Our God in heaven, I call upon you now for those of us who have heard your word this evening, or whenever it is we come to it. Please, would would you help us to be giving our heart to discipline, training our hearts. Please, would you, in all of that, be directing our hearts into your love and into Christ's perseverance. May we learn to hate and loathe sin and to love you with deep zeal and passion for your glory. Help us to apply your word in our lives this week. Amen. That's us done for today. Uh, Same time next week, live at five next Sunday, the 17th, we'll be continuing in Proverbs. May you know the Lord's blessing. Good night.